0: This is the Edu Rockstar Podcast episode number four with Dr. Maria Lice from USA. Welcome to the EduStar Talks Podcast, where we invite some amazing educational rockstars who lives to inspire and loves to encourage. Hosted by an educator, facilitator, and the EdTech Coach. In this show, we will discuss about how educators can amplify student engagement, shake up learning and can rock the curriculum content with 21st century skills. So if you are looking for ways to rock your class, stay tuned with us and be the never to be forgotten. Dr. Maria Lais Curran is a pioneer in digital citizenship and she is the founder and executive director of the Digital Citizenship Institute in USA. She has served as an associate professor, middle school teacher, principal and library media specialist. She co-authored "Did Sit Kids lessons learning side by side to empower The educators around the world with her son and works with school communities around the world to create positive and powerful shifts in how we engage online. Hello everyone, today we have Dr. Maria Lice as our Edu Rockstar to talk about using technology with purpose, tech for good. Hello, Dr. Maria Lyce. Wish you a very happy new year from Edu Rockstar Talks and our audience. I request you to kindly introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Well, Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, to join you today. I am Mary Alice Curran. I am located in Connecticut in the United States. And I have worn many hats in education. I started my teaching career as a middle school teacher. I've been a middle school principal. Most recently, I was an associate professor teaching both undergraduate and graduate students in our school of education, uh, preparing to be teachers or and or who were coming for their master's. And actually, my work really in digital citizenship and how to use technology for good really started at the university. And then um, from the university, I I, I branched off and I, I started the Digital Citizenship Institute, where we host um, digi- the Digital Citizenship Summit uh, around the world. And I know that your class was able to join us for our sixth annual this past October when we put on our 24 hour event. And so I'm really passionate about the fact that we are one world, one human race, and there are more things that make us the same than make us different. And what a wonderful opportunity! to come together to solve real problems and create solutions and then use technology um, to amplify, to inspire and empower other classrooms to want to make a difference in their communities.
0: Thank you so much for a great start. I think the increasing pressure of technology in the learning environment poses a new challenge to keep children safe in the digital world. The unprecedented development of social media and the increasing access to smartphones present a new challenge to parents and educators alike. While technology serves as a learning stimulant, the potential threats caused by excessive exposure to tech and its inappropriate content sometimes can also have a lasting harmful effects on our young learners. So I would like to ask here, what do you mean by the word digital citizenship? Okay, well, digital
1: citizenship is a really broad term. And if you ask different people to define it, you really could get multiple definitions. When I first got into the space for digital citizenship, my own journey began in a very reactive place. I should have, in my introduction, said that I'm also a mother. And you know, when I was a faculty member, I was a relatively new mother and my, my son was a toddler and then in elementary school. And we ended up having this mother and son journey with technology for no other reason than the fact that sometimes the babysitter would cancel and he'd have to, have to come to class with me. And um, my students all wanted, you know, I want, I want him as my partner for the day and something very naturally sort of developed where with this interest in talking about you know, at the time we waited to have this conversation with young people to when they were 13, because most of the apps, you know, you have to be 13. And what I I really learned alongside my son was we were waiting too long to have this conversation about how to be safe online, how to be socially responsible. And so when he was, you know, in elementary school, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, um, it was kind of like driver's ed, where instead of waiting until he got the keys to the car we were having these conversations about what what we needed to do to be safe online and i can tell you here um you know when i grew up we used to have you know in a neighborhood we'd call it a neighborhood watch and if anything ever happened in the neighborhood you know your friend's mom or your friend's dad would intervene you know if something happened and before you even got home you know, a situation would have already been, um, resolved because of this neighborhood watch. And I even remember as a child, you know, that you would have a plan like as a family and that, that plan would include if there was ever an emergency or if there was ever a fire, you know, the escape route, what you would have to do, or, you know, even things as simple if, um, something was to happen. Which neighbor? Like, who are those safe places to go to? And we've taken that idea when my son was young about a neighborhood watch and we applied it to having a neighborhood watch online. That same idea of having trusted adults to help navigate um, situations. And so even, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even jump back a little bit more. Before driver's ed, before the keys in the car I like to use the analogy of a bicycle. So we need to learn how to balance on a bicycle. And there's all different types of bicycles and tricycles. And um, there are even bikes that don't even have pedals to help um, our, you know, young toddlers figure out that balancing act. But I like that visual of a parent holding the back of a bicycle seat as the young child is trying to figure out how to balance. Um, and I to have that image and apply it to, to the digital world that we have trusted adults that are guiding us and this willingness to learn side by side so yes, the beginning of my career, digital citizenship was very reactive um, there was a lot of scare tactics, a lot of a focus on telling students what not to do don't do this, don't do that, but I've evolved and Luckily, the the term, the large term of digital citizenship has evolved into something more proactive where we take those don't statements and we make them into I will statements. And the focus, instead of the scare tactic, yes, safety is so important, but even starting to change the language, so from safety into being alert online. And that in and itself is a large umbrella. all the different things that we need to know about being alert, um, being balanced, and that's the ability about being unplugged and not always being plugged in and online, being engaged, um, being informed, which is all about media literacy, and then being inclusive. And then what I like to do with the work with the Digital Citizenship Institute is add one more pillar, which is you take those and you put them into action. So alert, balanced, engaged, informed, inclusive. It's an actionable, it's a verb. And so you are making an impact. I am an impactor in my local, global, and digital community. So in the to try to wrap up, what does digital citizenship mean? It really, to me, means... Being alert, solving real problems, and becoming a force for good on and offline. And the work that I've been like, I've just been blessed to do with school communities around the world, it needs to have an intergenerational approach. So it doesn't matter how young or old you are, it doesn't matter what language that you speak. This is something that we need, not just our young people need to do at school, but what we need to do at home what we need to do at play and what we need to do at work
0: oh that's wonderful indeed i also believe that children bring their digital lives and experiences into schools with them and it is our duty as educators to assimilate this new reality into our education system
1: you know and i I, oh I, i i wanted to just add that when with my son What we ended up doing, we had a Twitter account, a mother and son Twitter account. We also blogged together. I mean, he was using technology for good from the very, very beginning. And so for anyone that's listening, that importance of just, you don't have to be tech savvy. You do not need to be an expert in technology. You just really need to have this willingness and disposition to say, I'm a learner and I am willing to learn alongside my child my team, my colleague. So that's to me the magic formula.
0: Yes, that's great. The potential threats of technology, I believe, have created a sense of urgency amongst all the stakeholders responsible for delivering digital citizenship, especially for K-12 students as a way to prepare them for technology and use the technology in appropriate norms and responsibility. So how do you think we can guide the learners to use social media and tech for good?
1: I really think it starts with like being authentic, and so finding a real problem in your community, and coming up with a plan to solve it, and then using technology really to just amplify that message, to inspire and empower others. I love to use this example. So it's my favorite classroom in Scotland, Mary Jalland. On Twitter, she is Ellie Primary One. And she teaches uh, the littles. They're four and five-year-olds. And when I think about being four and five, no matter where you live, when you're four and five, you're learning the different roles in your community. And you were also starting to learn some, some letters and some numbers. Well, while her class was out um, in Glasgow, they noticed uh, they were very concerned, the students, because of this large number of homeless people. And so Mary Jallen made it a teachable moment, and they wanted to know why this was the case. And they they found out that access to clean sanitation was the number one problem. And that is what really is, was the cause root of homelessness in Glasgow, Scotland. And when you're four and five, it's really important when you think about clean sanitation, connecting to the global goals, the SDGs, when you're four and five, to, to know about the importance of washing your hands. And that is a, a life skill that no matter where you live, you're learning about that. So they created this public service announcement about everything that they learned about the importance of clean sanitation. And they were learning some math facts and they had like 60 index cards for their math facts. And as they made their public service announcement, they said, we are going to learn our math facts. And if you would like to donate all of the money that we we raise, we are going to be able to donate a toilet. And it went viral because honestly, if four and five-year-olds can do this, my gosh, there's so much more that I can do, we all can do. So I love to use this example because those four and five-year-olds were able to donate four toilets. And so no matter what age I'm talking to, I use that example because that is exactly how we want to
0: model digital citizenship. Definitely. I think in a time of rapid change, the future is largely unknown to all of us. But the challenges that we are facing today with the emerging technology are not. So, providing the next generation with the competencies they need to live together as equal in the culturally diverse democratic societies is still our goal. What inspired you to create the Ditsit Institute?
1: You know, I I can tell you, I. My work as a faculty member—this um, was early on in my career. There were a lot, uh, there was a lot of focus on cyberbullying, and there were headline stories about teen suicides because of cyberbullying. And I remember just thinking, even though I'm just one person, I, like, what can I do to make a difference? I don't want to wait to make a difference. What can I do right now? And I started creating, you know, courses and then one course led into another course and then a workshop and an event. And in the fall of 2011, it was a pretty pivotal point for me as an educator. Um, I, I created this first year seminar course for the incoming freshmen and a first year seminar course is really focused on building community, welcoming incoming freshmen so that they feel welcome to the university, that. The first year seminar course is really an opportunity to start to do some service learning. And so the course that I created was called "Please to Tweet You. Are you a socially responsible digital citizen? And I thought as incoming freshmen, this would be a great course, no matter what major they were going to ultimately decide, Um, you know, and maybe we could come up with a solution, a student solution towards cyberbullying. And over the summer before the course started, I thought this would be more like, this would be great if I could get them an authentic audience. So I, in the summer of of 2011, I blogged and I asked, would anybody like to join my college freshman?" And to make a long story short, I can tell you, I heard from Cape Town, South Africa immediately. And I remember, I know how social media works, but even back then I was like, I can't believe my little blog post made it all the way to Cape Town, South Africa. But we, I heard from lots of different classrooms. And unfortunately, you know, geography knows no boundaries, but time zones still make a difference. And I didn't have a lot of wiggle room on when we could, that class could meet. I needed to stick with what the timeframe for that class was because of the university. So I wasn't able to make it happen with Cape Town, South Africa, but I was able to connect with high school juniors in Birmingham, Alabama. And because of geography, I was or my university was in Connecticut, we were never able to meet, but we used social media tools where we connected. And for whatever reason, I I, I never met the teacher. I, I had not met the teacher in Birmingham, Alabama at the time, but we took a back seat and we let the students drive that course. And honestly, It is the best decision I ever made because I had had thought we might have a student solution towards cyberbullying, but instead, my college freshmen and these high school juniors, they defined my definition for digital citizenship is a direct connection to this course because they decided it was important to define what does it mean to be a citizen in the 21st century. And what they came up with was an I-citizen, so a small i and a capital C for citizen. So, and, and it was, we coined it the iCitizen project. And they said, we need to be able to, our young people need to be able to think and act. Um, and the focus was on the action part, locally, globally, and digitally. And honestly, since 2011, that really was the beginning of starting the Institute. Um, although I stayed Um, as a college professor until 2015. But the work that began working with 2B teachers and really wanting to solve some problems, which I thought was around cyberbullying, has evolved into something that I could never have even imagined. And I'm so fortunate because people like yourself, people have self selected to say i want to take that message that proactive message and i want to bring it to my community and that's how this network this global network has continued to grow and and build and the focus really i'm so proud is about we not me and that to me if we can take that messaging to as many classrooms as possible ah, we have such a wonderful opportunity to really make a positive impact Um, in schools, at home,
0: in the workplace, in the larger communities. Wow, that's so inspiring. I think digital citizens today have a shared responsibility to contribute to maintaining a secure online environment. I'm really touched by your story of how you started with Ditsit Institute. A balance between online and offline activities is equally important for children and people of all ages for the development of skills like empathy, observation, listening skills, cooperation strategies, which are key competencies in the digital citizenship. How do you think technology can help in enhancing the student engagement?
1: Oh, I I mean, I look at, I was a complete failure as a student in a traditional classroom. I just I, I just have always been a thinker, a learner outside the box. And so when I think about engagement, I, I think about what I've seen and experienced um, in connected classrooms where the focus is on collaboration, starting with the collaboration within your own classroom connecting with other classrooms within your school or within your region. But then, I mean, early, early on when I was a faculty member, to be able to have um, um, an experience, you know, the, the teachers would have to go and get some field experience. But to have a field experience like a Skype in the classroom, that I, I'd never experienced anything like that personally as a learner. But what a game changer I would have I, I look at what opportunities for true engagement look like right now in connected classrooms, and i I want to be i like that that ties it back to the fact that I always want to be a learner. I want my learning curve always to be stuck in the curved position. I personally never want to get to a finish line and say, "Oh, put a check in the box, I did that. This is we're lifelong learners, and to see what technology and social media and these different platforms and tools that we are able to connect so easily um, and to make the engagement so powerful. I can't think of a better time um, to be a student or a better time to be a learner.
0: Oh, definitely. I also believe in the same thing, that technology is just a tool in terms of getting the kids working together and motivating them. And uh, definitely teachers should engage students by using technology. Okay, so let's talk about some of the strategies you would like to suggest to our audience today to use tech for good. Okay,
1: I I want to share this organization out of um, Toronto. It's um, called Cyber Seniors. So if you go to cyberseniors.org, It is an opportunity for students to get some volunteer hours. All of the resources are free. But I think about that idea of intergenerational learning, you know, not just something that happens in the classroom, but something that happens at home as an entire community. Again, no matter how young or old you are, I think specifically right now with this pandemic as well, um, what a wonderful opportunity for our young people to volunteer and help our seniors know how to, whether it's going to be um, grocery shopping online or downloading music or connecting um, through FaceTime or another way with loved ones, when people are feeling so isolated. It is an opportunity for a two-way street where it's great for our young students to be volunteers, but it's also wonderful for our seniors and our seniors have so much more to also give to the young students as you know, this reciprocal, um partnership. So that is one way that I feel like it's easy, it's free. Um, I know that it's also available. The resources are available in Spanish um and in French. It's one of my favorite resources to share. And I really hope that your listeners will watch the documentary. So cyberseniors.org, they have this documentary. I've probably played it a thousand times. I've shared this resource. Um, Anytime I get the opportunity. But when you get to the cricket part where you hear the crickets, I want you to know it never gets old. I always laugh at the crickets part because the message in their documentary is we all need a purpose. When you get up in the morning, everyone needs a purpose. And that is so true, no matter who you are or what your position is in life, we all do need that purpose. So that would be one easy thing that could be implemented into any, you know, school routine or if any of that learning is happening at home that a a family would want to be involved and even if they didn't want to be involved with cyber seniors directly to take that idea that concept and apply it where you could be mentoring you know seniors in your own um in your own community so that's that's one another i know that you're you're a wakelet fan is that correct
0: yeah definitely i'm a Wakelet ambassador
1: okay uh, so here's another free opportunity. Have you done the student in,
0: um, ambassador program? Yeah, four of my students recently became student ambassador, Wakelet student ambassador. They have completed the six C's challenge. Okay, I, you probably are going to
1: be in agreement with me. I can't think of anything more powerful. Like even if we didn't get anything else done with our curriculum this year and we focused on getting certified, our students certified as student ambassadors, That is, those are life skills. That is real, authentic learning. So that is another that I have always I I feel like I've got like I'm banging my drum that I I want to have more students involved because they have this opportunity um, to learn how to curate resources that they really are going to own their learning. I'm sure that you saw this in action with your students um, that that there's a, a change. When instead of everybody's doing the same thing the same way, route learning to be able to personalize the learning and and to take the lead, um, a perfect way is to do it through the Wakelet student ambassador program. So those are just two easy, simple ways to start. And then if I was going to add, just even from my own experience as both as an educator and as a mother, is that this has to be an ongoing conversation. This is not. Where when you think about safety, for example, I feel like a lot of times we'd have an assembly. We'd, have, we'd call in an expert to come and talk at, whether they were talking at students or it was professional development for the teachers and we're talking at teachers. We really need to start to change our language. And instead of talking at anyone, we really need to, to create experiences where we have an opportunity to learn together side by side. And so a lot of work that I end up doing with school communities is we put on these events where instead of calling an expert in, it's the students that are taking the lead alongside their teacher. And you invite the outside community to come and learn um, alongside these classrooms. And that in and it itself, and even if we, because of, of COVID and the pandemic right now, If this isn't something we can do in person, this is definitely something that we can do online, and it would add so much value um, to the students that were taking the lead, as well as the outside community, having that that chance to realize that learning is a two-way street, and our students have so
0: much to offer. Thank you so much for bringing out these uh, plausible solutions and strategies for our audience today. How do you think educators and parents can help children think globally, act locally and be responsible digitally?
1: You know, I, I feel like it is just that willingness. Even you don't have to be the expert in the global goals or the SDGs. You don't have to be, you know, tech savvy. You just need to be willing to be engaged in this ongoing conversation. Um, and whether that's going to be, uh, you know, if you have an interest and you would want to have a family blog or you have a budding photographer and you wanted to do something together um, as a, a parent-child um, account on Instagram, you know, what is it that you, your family is passionate about and how can we amplify that? And we can start really small. It doesn't have to start at that global level. It can start really, um, within our own community, within our own families. And then that will kind of just like skipping a stone in that ripple effect. It will continue to grow and have a positive impact, um, And grow into something that can be something like that example of twinning, you know, donating those toilets um, in, in the community in Scotland, you know, a project like that. But it really is looking at solving problems and being part of the change, right? You want to be part of the solution. You don't want to be part of the problem.
0: And we want to do this collectively together. Okay, that's awesome. Well, what last message you would like to share with our audience today?
1: I think that the message is, and I feel like I I say this a lot, is that it is a journey. And I'm the first one to admit that I am not tech savvy. I was the faculty member on record for the ed tech program. And I can tell you, if you were enrolled in my course, on the first day, you usually get the syllabus. I never gave out a syllabus, which made people uncomfortable. But when you give out a syllabus on the first night, everybody is looking at the due dates. When are things due? They're not even listening to you. So I, I never gave out a syllabus. And then when, by the time I did send the syllabus, I would say, this is the general idea of what we're covering, but I am going to meet individually and we are going to personalize this learning experience because this is not a one size fits all. um, you need to meet people where they are at their comfort level and you need to help to move them forward. So everybody starts, especially with technology, everybody's comfort level is different. So your start is different and your end is different. And as long as you are willing to move forward, whatever that might be, inch by inch, step by step, um, each moment forward is a moment that is continuing your learning process. And that's really all that if we can do that, then that that might be the magic formula right there is just that willingness to say, okay, it doesn't have to look like everybody else. It is more powerful when it's personalized and individualized and that I have a voice and I can be part of leading um, my own learning.
0: That's the most powerful message that you have shared today. Thank you for sharing that. Where can our audience connect with you for more digital empowerment?
1: Okay, well, you can find me at the Digital Citizenship Institute, which we have abbreviated to DIGCIT. is the is short for Digital Citizenship, so D I G C I T Institute dot com, and we have a couple events that are coming up. We have um. I know that you were your class was able to participate in our summit, our 24-hour summit, but we have partnered with the California um, School Librarian Association, and we are putting on a summit in February. Um, and then there's another summit, which I'm really excited about in March. I'm not going to, I'm going to be useless for this because it's going to be Digsit Summit, Latin America. Everything will be in Spanish. And unfortunately, I am not, uh, forget about fluent i i am very limited with my spanish but it'll be a 2 day event and this is um I, I what i really love about our summits is if you go to a conference it's sometimes always the same keynote speakers or the same featured speakers and i love i have to tell you some of my best friends are keynote this you know headliners i love them i don't mean to be disrespectful but what a summit does a little bit differently is it ends up highlighting voices, because we really want to get those classroom voices. It highlights voices that really need to be heard because um, they they are, I feel like they, they need to be the headline stories because it's teachers willing to be, or homeschool parents willing to learn side by side. And so I would welcome you to join one of our summits. Um, you can find more information at the DigSit Institute. We are, we just launched and I'm so happy that you are a part of it. Um, we have just launched our first global impactor cohort. And I know that that entire cohort is now going to continue to be part of our, like speaking bureau. So when we continue to do events, um, you are our speakers, you are our headliners. And that makes me really happy. Um personally you could find me I've got all these crazy initials MBFXC um you can find me at mbfxc.com but you can also that's my Twitter handle I I tend to always go um with all of my
0: initials Oh thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I loved each and every word that you said about how to raise the digitally empowered learners. And thank you for setting aside your precious time to be my guest today. You are an edu rock star, and I really appreciate all your efforts and dedication towards raising digitally empowered kids and youth for the taking actions, not only locally, but also globally. Thank you once again for joining us and have a nice day. Thank you so much for having me. You have just listened to the Edu Rockstar Talks podcast with your host Sumedha Soti. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Head over to subscribe, rate, and leave a review for us. It is very much appreciated. Do not forget to join us next week for another exciting episode. Thank you for listening to us, and we will never be forgotten.